you would see drag of Tanya Harding and it would make 1 million percent sense. Yeah. Right? For sure. Like, I actually want someone to do Tanya Harding drag to this song. God, that would whip. That would be so good. I'm sure someone is. If you have done this, (laughs) send send me a clip because I want to see it. And welcome to Can't Let It Go, a show about the things stuck in our heads. My name is Matt, and I use he, him pronouns. Wow. Hi, Matt. I'm AC. I use they, them pronouns. Wow. Nice to meet you. Wow. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. Today, uh, we're going to talk about Sufjan Stevens. Yeah. Because if you don't know, he just came out with a brand new album. Uh-huh. And uh, we have, uh, I think we have feelings, and I personally have feelings about like the discourse around Sufjan Stevens. Many feelings. But before we jump into that like giant well... <laughs> Um, of information and personal opinions. AC, you mentioned that you had a little nugget. Okay, I have a nugget, and I do want to let the people know what we've been texting about this week. But um, <laughs> my nugget is, um, lately, the watch of uh, the evening uh, TV show uh, uh, that my partner and I are watching is this British show called All Creatures Great and Small. It's like a PBS Mm. masterpiece show. And it's Mm. like, there's a vet. He's a rural vet. He's from Glasgow. He gets a rural vet job in the Dales. He has to prove himself, um, you know, and it's like, you know, all these like farm animal vet stories. Mm. And the thing is, man, is that this my nugget for today is um, y- what you should know about this show is it is delightful. It's like a cozy little, you know, hug, mm-hmm. um, you know, blessed portraiture of 1930s r- rural England. Um, and also this show is entirely unafraid to show you like animal gore mm. where it's like we're going to do surgery on a cow and they're putting their whole hand into a, the side of a cow that they've cut open. <laughs> and um, every time it absolutely freaks me out. Um, yeah. They like have no problems showing like popping an abscess or like any number of like particularly gross things and listener if you are someone who is squeamish like me I'm so sorry that I said those words in that order just now (laughs) to the point where like I've started to say we're no longer allowed to watch this show um like while eating dinner because Mm. um you never know when you might get got by them doing something really gross (laughs) yeah um anyway uh that's if you like that kind of stuff um, you might enjoy it. Um, but as someone who would rather like put my head into the sand than ever watch a single clip from Dr. Pimple Popper, I would personally mm-hmm. like to die. So as you were explaining it to begin with, I was like, oh, this sounds like your standard like British TV fair. Uh-huh. And then we're talking about like uh-huh. I don't know, just <laughs> just like the shit that I can't deal with. <laughs> AC, I I love I'm gonna say love. I'm gonna Great. say it's still present okay. tense. The Saw movies. Oh, yes. But I have never once, like, sat and, like, let the actual gore parts of those movies, like, enter my eyeballs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, I just, like, close my eyes and, like, (laughs) there's intrigue and mystery and, like, twists and shit. And Mm -hmm. that's what Saw is Mm -hmm. fun for. The the rest of it, I'm like, "Mm, listening to it's enough. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I 
can't look disgusting um, and have never been interested in Saw for that reason. So, yeah, I have not seen the new one, but that's mostly because I'm a completionist and I need to go catch up on the ones (laughs) that I didn't watch after the terrible Saw 3D. Uh, well, that's my, that's my nugget for today. It's short and sweet. <laughs> Watch the show, but be warned. <laughs> uh, you told me a story over iMessage. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> it's just about, you said it was about Georgetown and, oh, uh-huh. and I don't know, we had a pretty funny exchange. So I think if we're sharing on the show, I mean, like what you should know, uh, listener is that my partner goes to Georgetown law school. And so sometimes I get text messages that say little things like, should I take a class on congressional investigations with John Podesta next semester? (laughs) Like, that's like a totally normal question to ask. Like, "Hmm, should I have John Podesta as my professor next semester? (laughs) And I just, I did not go to, you know, we did not go to a prestige school for (laughs) undergrad. And I just simply, and I didn't go to one for grad school. And so I, I have no idea what this experience is like. Yeah. I was telling you that I had a very different grad school experience. I went to Stanford for music technology. So like the people that, you know, maybe were famous that were showing up at school for me, like, sure, Obama spoke on campus. I didn't go because it was impossible to get tickets. But I did have the opportunity to take a class with Jordan Rudess, who's the keyboardist for Dream Theater. Didn't do that. It wasn't like the class wasn't interesting to me. (laughs) (laughs) But like, it's not it's not like John Podesta. (laughs) That's a very Georgetown thing to to happen. I mean, very much so. You know, we talked about Pizzamas in the last episode. (laughs) (laughs) And again, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You can go find out. But the the thing you should know is that they have very like time limited merch every year that like their whole thing is it never comes back again. This is the only time you can get it. And they're using it to raise money for partners and health. And um, I basically was between two t-shirts and was like, (laughs) I texted you. I was like, should I get the era's tour pizza john or should i get the barbie pizza john <laughs> and i think you said era's tour but i ended up buying the barbie barbie pizza john yes i think it's very funny because i i had been um contemplating purchasing uh, those same shirts <laughs> i had spent a long time um debating and i had landed on era's tour so i said you should get era's tour so that we can be matching yeah. but um yeah i got i got mine very oversized because i assume that i like i'm not very likely to wear mm-hmm. my john green era store <laughs> t-shirt out of my house i, mean, I think it's uh, so funny it's a shirt i oh, would yeah. one million percent like wear to the club oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> that would be funny yeah oh yeah I'm, I'm just very excited to get my barbie pizza john i don't wear my pizza john shirts i have several mm-hmm. but i don't wear them very often not because i like have the one that's like just John's face and it's kind of weird. <laughs> but because frankly, the I don't know who they use for the distributor, but their shirts shrink really easily. Yeah. Um, and I take very good care of my clothes to make sure they don't shrink. Yeah. And I just like, I don't know, they last me for a week and then I'm like, cool, I can't wear that outside anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, me and t shirt, t shirt distributors are forever beefing. Mm-hmm. Um, they never fit me how I want them to. So, yeah, for real. <laughs> All right, somehow we have to tackle the grand topic of Sufjan Stevens, which um, I guess I'll start this by saying, like, Sufjan means a lot to me. I know, and I will tell, you know, the listener how Sufjan became a part of my musical life and, you know, that kind of thing. Besides just, like, listening to Sufjan with you over the years, actually, I don't really have any idea about how, like, how you encountered Sufjan. What are your, like, highest level feelings about Sufjan? Yeah, I, 
Um, so I'm happy to start there and tell you, um, I know that um, almost certainly, right, the song that I'm going to mention that is like the song that was the first Sufjan song that I heard is one that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but uh, I first heard Sufjan Stevens, a Casimir mm-hmm. Pulaski Day was the first song I ever heard. Um, and it was when, um, in the summers, my family, um, lives in North Carolina. My dad is like a guest professor at, um, a a college program for music students. And, um, there are other families who were there. So one of the other girls from one of the other families was like, you should listen to this music. Um, and up until that point, I didn't listen to a lot of like modern music. I listened to a lot of like what my parents listened to, um, and to like classical music that's what my my dad is a mm-hmm. classical musician but yeah i just have this memory of like sitting in functionally like in a dorm room right like because we lived on the college campus in a dorm room on like shitty carpet with my friend and uh like a boom box between us um listening to casimir pulaski day mm-hmm. and being like 12 right and having just no frame of reference for like how actually like gut-wrenchingly mm-hmm. sad that song is but knowing that i dug the vibe and so then i like picked up the whole album of Illinois and and yeah. gave it a listen and yeah so that's was in 2002 and now here we are 21 <laughs> years later and I'm still a fan wow <laughs> this is not me well actually this is just context well actually <laughs> that album came out in 2005 <laughs> oh perfect okay so it was later it was later it was it was, later. It was still in the same setting okay yeah yeah it would have been like 15 or 16 yeah exactly AC and I are the same age so I can kind of pinpoint <laughs> so I had a similar experience where it's like a friend of mine in high school was telling me about Sufjan. This was like MySpace. I remember specifically, we ended up talking about it on MySpace, like after she told me about it, right? And I I like had a friend crush on her. Like I thought she was yeah. the coolest person in the world. And so we already had overlapping music taste, but if she was going to tell me yeah. about something, I was like, okay, I, I have to try that because this person is really cool, right? And I want to be their friend. Turns out she has really good music taste, whether I had a friend crush on her or not. And like yeah. later on, she would be the person <laughs> that introduced me to the head and the heart, which is, you know, is a very big deal to me. Yeah. One of our fave bands. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I actually just saw them in concert recently. Wow. I used to just sit in class like I, I can specifically remember sitting in trigonometry class, like working on like problem sets and stuff. Yeah. Listening to Seven Swans, Michigan. Illinois and not Sufjan at all, the postal service. (laughs) It was was like (laughs) those four albums just on repeat, just like, you know, churning through homework and whatnot. I have a like core memory of, (laughs) of like driving um, to OSU for a college visit, um, Oklahoma state for people that are not AC and I, (laughs) Uh, and I had actually, I just, I want to say I'd just gotten to Illinois, but it would only make sense that it was a couple years after. But I don't think I had like mm-hmm. listened to the album straight through. Yeah. And I just I put the CD in, you know, my blue truck and drove to Stillwater. And like I was like physically buzzing by the time that yeah. I got out of the car. Right. Yeah. And I did complete that, you know, that listen in that drive. It's about the length of the drive. Mm-hmm. And that was when I started telling people that Sufjan was like my favorite musician, not like yeah. my favorite artist. Like, I think he's one of the most talented musicians like alive. Yeah. You know, I do think that a lot of my feelings about Sufjan are tied up in the fact that like I myself am a musician, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like it just, it, it doesn't surprise me that like I grew up, you know, training in 
voice and piano and like I'm impressed by like the orchestral shit that Sufjan does yeah. right at, at 15 years old. Like that is uh, definitely a perspective I bring, but I think the stuff that sticks with me, and this is mostly what I want to talk about today, um, sort of at this point in my life is, you know, myself having come from a extremely fundamentalist evangelical Christian background and also being a queer kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't think that's unique. I think that's all who a lot of Sufjan's fans are. Yeah. I mean, that seems like the core demographic. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We've talked a lot about Sufjan and I bet that there's at least two or three people who have no concept of who this man is. We, okay. we, we at least, we have a, a number of new listeners thanks to the fact that we've sure. joined the worst yeah. garbage. And so just want to, Two sentence explanation. Sufjan Sufi is Sufi Stevies. You might you might mispronounce it because it's written Sufjan, but if you say that out loud in front of people, you're probably going to get judged. Yeah, Sufjan. Uh, <laughs> Sufjan Stevens. He's a musical artist. He's a singer songwriter. He's a multi instrumentalist. Is a word that gets used a lot about him because he can mm-hmm. play everything um, and uses it all to great effect in his music. Yeah, something you'll hear a lot about him is. Uh, people feel a lot of like sad feelings, uh, feelings about grief and loss when they talk about Sufjan Stevens. He said on his blog recently, I was reading it earlier. I know I've often been the poster child of pain, loss and loneliness. (laughs) And like, there's some stuff that like he's, it's not that his music is not about that. Like he is actively putting that out in the world, but at the same time, like that is a perspective that people have about him. And in large part, the way that like we consume Sufjan is like through that lens that sort of we've brought ourselves. Um, Yeah. Like we said earlier, there's a new Sufjan album out. It's called Javelin. Um, Came out a few days ago. And uh, Sufjan recently shared a couple of pretty devastating things about his life. He's a deeply private person. Um, He does not talk about his life that often unless it is actually in his music. Um, His album, Carrie and Lowell, was about uh, his mother and stepfather. And he recently told the world that um, he's, he was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome and um, is recovering from that currently. He actually left the hospital yeah. maybe like the day that Javelin released. Yeah. Um, and also the day that Javelin released, he um, shared that his longtime partner, Evans Richardson, passed away earlier this year and that he was dedicating this album to him. And that is a big deal for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And I would, I would bet that Sufjan both knows that and also does not think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, because he's such a private person. But I think for people that have been listening to Sufjan for years, yeah. um, it's extremely important that Sufjan is now like out as a queer person beyond yeah. the text of his music. Yeah. Right. And he had like he'd never talked like he's written songs about love and and loss and and sex right mm-hmm. and and Christianity and queerness for years and that's most of what I want to spend time talking about today. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like had never said anything about like his identity. Yeah. Or the people in his life beyond talking about his brother occasionally. Yeah. I mean, and right, it's worth saying no one owes uh, anyone public queerness. Not even famous people. Right, not even famous people. Um, But it, I think it is always something that always comes up for me with Sufjan's music is like 
is it possible that I am connecting with this music so much because this person is like me? Or am I ascribing the things that I think and feel about the world to this music? Because both are possible, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can do queer textualism on just about anything you want to, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, like they're, they're, it's pretty easy. Um, but I think it feels... Um, feels really good if devastatingly sad mm-hmm. to have the confirmation that like the meaning that I have ascribed to a lot of this music for a long time yeah. is closer to what the artist intended mm-hmm. than not. Right. Because, you know, we could have a long debate about or discussion. I don't think it would be a debate. I think we probably <laughs> I think we'd agree. get along. <laughs> right. 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 Like, like a long discussion about like, who art belongs to, who music belongs to, what who who gets to make the meaning from the thing the, um after it's in the world. But I I like I find myself most um at ease with media when my interpretation of it and the artist's intention of it are close. Yeah. You know, I agree are, with that. are more similar than different. Yeah. I agree with that. So I think in the context of this album, Javelin specifically, yeah. and and also in the context of like the things that Sufjan talks about, it's important to understand, I think, like the modes of music that Sufjan exists yeah. in. I posit that he has four kind of musical modes, I'm calling them sad banjo boy, okay. contemplative piano boy, <laughs> uh, orchestral folk genius. Yes. And computer music, big noise boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to play a couple samples of each of those and, you know, yeah. we can talk through some of them. So first, Sad Banjo Boy. Sad Banjo Boy is, I think, what most people think about when they think yeah. about Sufjan Stevens, especially if they were around during the, like, 50 States Project era. Um, quick 50 <laughs> States Project rant. Everyone, like, it's 2023 and people are still being like, when's Sufjan going to get to my state? And I'm like, y'all. It was 100% always a joke. It was a joke. It was a goof. (laughs) And we knew it was a goof in 2005 when Illinois came out, which was the second one, right? He like realized that he was writing an album about Illinois and was like, well, what if I did a thing about every state? And then like made it a part of the uh, marketing for that album. And I don't think ever intended to do anything after that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So this, I'm going to play a little clip of For the Widowers in Paradise for the Fatherless in Ypsilanti. Because I think it's like maybe the most indicative of this mood. Marcus Mumford wishes. Is oh, yeah, for real. <laughs> that song actually, like, after my friend told me about Sufjan and I went to go look up yeah. Sufjan, that's one of the first things I found. That yeah. was my introduction to uh, uh, Blogatech takeaway shows. Yeah. Right? Like, it, him sitting on, like, a fence yeah. in, like, a pasture in Austin, Texas, holding a banjo, like, playing for the widows, <sighs> or for the widows in paradise. And... I mean, this is this is classic, yeah. like early two thousand Sufjan, 
And this is like core, I feel like, to the even the title of the song, right? Being like some right. like long random string of words that you maybe understand in the context of the song after you listen to it. But what's going on, I think, is also so quintessential Sufjan. He did this early on in his career, and then he kind of did like the orchestral slash Sad Banjo Boy Illinois album. And then he went and did a bunch of other things and eventually came back to this sound in Carrie and Lowell, which I'm now realizing that I do not actually have downloaded on Apple Music. Um, but I do want to play a clip from one of them. I'm going to play the, a clip from Should Have Known Better. Uh. I want to point out that this sound is absolutely a return to this folksy banjo-y guitar-focused right thing. But Carrie and Lowell is a very sad yeah. album, much Darker. I feel like very sad is like the <laughs> understatement is an understatement. Yeah. It is much darker, much um it's less meditative and more like reactionary to, to yeah. grief, right? Carrie and Lil is the type of album that I know multiple people who are like, I love Sufjan Stevens. I lo- I would love to be able to listen to Carrie and Lil because I love the music. And actually, I cannot listen to it because it hurts my feelings too much. Like it makes me too sad. Yeah. It is not productive for me to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is an album that starts out with a track title called Death with Dignity, right? Um, it, I actually, Carrie and Lowell is not my favorite Sufjan album. It's like down low pretty on the list. And I know it's yeah. a, it's like a, uh, a favorite album for a lot of people. For me, it's not about the sadness. I just didn't connect with it in a certain way. But is absolutely a return to the thing that people know Sufjan for. Yeah. Then we have Contemplative Piano Boy Sufjan. The, I think, most indicative of this style for me is the track The Owl and the Tanager from the All Delighted People EP. Yeah. Gorgeous song. Um, yeah. Here's an example of contemplative piano voice, if you know. your car the rabbit in the bar the thing that's it's it's interesting to me when he wants to be very sad he definitely knows he knows how to construct both a harmony and a melody right that is slightly different like just slightly off. different from his other music to like yeah. tug at the exact heartstring he wants to right yeah and i don't He's a multi-instrumentalist. Usually those people are like classically trained and like come mm-hmm. at it from a very technical standpoint. And yeah. I know that that's what he did with Age of Odds, but that was more noise music, right? That was more computer music. I'm wondering if that's the case with him and 
you know, just like standard, you know, Western instruments, right? Like, is, is he the kind of person that like, I don't know, could write down his music on sheet music, you know? Yeah. So it's funny. I, the, the sad banjo boy and the contemplative piano boy are like very much like my favorite genres mm-hmm. of music overall, right? Um, I sent you a, a TikTok that was like, um, like the different uh, like genders and um, who that music is like, <laughs> what kind of music they listen to or, or sexual orientations. I can't remember, but it was like, um, if you're a lesbian, you listen to like sad dad music and it's like if you're trans non-binary you like music that is both sad and loud (laughs) um and like that's like absolutely the definition of most of my music like make your friend a playlist if they're gay it should be loud if they're lesbian it should be sad if they're non-binary it should be loud Loud and and sad that's right that's right that's right yeah but like that's very much like I guess we haven't gotten to the loud part Mm -hmm. of this, but like that's very much Sufjan's vibe. Um, And I think of these songs like that you have in this contemplative piano boy section as like the ones that really drew me in to become like, I'm seeking out this music Mm -hmm. rather than like, it's music that is popular. And like, I mean, like I will pretend to be shocked that like in 2005, like I was listening to a lot of indie music, Mm -hmm. right? Like Modest Mouse, um, ben Folds, mm-hmm. right? Ben Folds Five, right? Like piano music, the Decemberists, mm-hmm. right? Like like folk American adjacent music is was like the thing that I was really I was most interested in. Yeah, if you know Stefan's tracks from "Call Me by Your Name," um, uh, "Visions uh, of Gideon" is um, I'm not gonna play it right now, but it is a track that I think fits into this mode um, for him. Um, that, the other song, Mystery of Love, is much more banjo, Stephen, right? Yeah. <laughs> or banjo, Sufjan. Um, and <laughs> like, I, I really adore the contemplative piano stuff. Um, one of my favorites is Concerning the UFO Sighting near Highland, Illinois, which I do want to play. So good. And you're getting a little of that orchestral stuff from this album, Every time. Right? <laughs> so I I love this song. It's beautiful. Um, it's one of my so favorite good. parts of it is that it's in like seven different like odd meters. <laughs> it's like yeah. it goes from like 11.9 <laughs> to like 13.9 to like 5.8 and... Like I have, I have seen sheet music for this. Like it was, it was obviously like transcribed, right? But right. like, it's pretty accurate. Like I read it, and I'm yeah. like, everything I know about music that sounds accurate to what I am hearing. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. Like, like you're, you're. I believe you that there are time signatures yeah. that go with this song, and I also am like, I think he. It just was improvised. Yeah, exactly. Like, there was I do not think a plan he improvised here. this track specifically. <laughs> um, but it's also like this is one of the ones that makes me question like. Is he classically trained when it comes to instruments, yeah. or is he do is he just like kind of like a natural musician in the way that a little bit of a savant, right. if you if you will? Yeah, um, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about this until I was like writing notes for this episode. But he and Jacob Collier have really mm, like yeah. similar. Jacob Collier off is like obviously very trained, very coming from a technical yeah. perspective, right? Even when he's doing wild shit, he's like, no, I just I went and learned like. 
music theory that wasn't Western, right? Like, yeah. and like, that's how I know how to do these like wild modulations to like, you know, like half step keys and shit. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> but like, I think of them, their skill sets and like the things they make are obviously a little bit different, but yeah. the way that they are able to manipulate music by just yeah. knowing all of it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Is incredible. Yeah. I feel that way um, too about um, James Blake. Like yeah. I always think about um, the way that they like James Blake does all mm-hmm. those modulations that like make my brain ring and all of the like it scratches that itch in that specific way. And like Sufjan has that same skill of like layering yeah. in these like really especially for like someone who comes from a, like a background of like my dad is a classical musician. I spent a lot of time listening to classical music, right? Like the experience as a young person of like knowing the difference that orchestration can make for music, mm-hmm. right? Like Sufjan threads that with pop, so like pop, not folk, mm-hmm. whatever with modern <laughs> music. I don't even know what, what genre to put him in. Right. But like blends that orchestration and really gets it right, especially in like concerning the UFO sighting, right? Like really gets it right to affect the, um, the listener in such a specific way. Yeah. I think that those skill sets lead to orchestral folk. Yes. Sufjan, yes. Right. And to be totally honest, this is the Sufjan that like locked me in. Right. Yeah. This is the one that I was like, oh, this is my favorite artist. Right. Yeah. That like this is the one that made me say like Illinois is my favorite album for a very long time. Yeah. I think I have different feelings now, but it's still up there. Yeah. Right. And I, I'll say I call it orchestral. It's not always orchestral. It can be this kind of like 19th century jamboree thing sometimes. Yeah. The point is that it's big, there's lots of instruments, and it's loud. Right. Yeah. Or it can get loud. It can build <laughs> it to loudness. Can, yeah. The first example that I want to play is actually Dear Mr. Supercomputer. Okay. Uh, this is from The Avalanche, um, which was a follow-up to Illinois, I believe. I'm gonna, e, yes. I'm going to triple check that. Yes, it is, an, it is a follow-up to Illinois. So this is from The Avalanche. It's a follow-up to the Illinois album. It's like an EP, outtakes, extras, that kind of thing. Um, it's called Dear Mr. Supercomputer. Get that layering right there already. (laughs) So this piece is uh, indicative, I think, of a lot of Sufjan's inspirations, right? Yeah. I did just look it up and and remembered correctly that Terry Riley, not only musically does like it just, it's very obvious. You may know the piece in C, which is, it, it's meant for like large orchestra um, and it is basically just like iterations on C. A variation, if you if, uh, if you will. Yes, exactly. And it is, um, some people would say repetitive, Um, Mm. I think it is a really minimalist exploration of like the simple things you can do with like the key of C, a a C chord, right? Yeah. And you heard that in Dear Mr. Supercomputer, right? It's just like, and it's like, basically it's, he's doing a little bit more of a harmonic, you know, thing, Yeah. but it's less, there's less movement than some of his other pieces. And oft, often when Sufjan does this, it's not the whole song, right? 
It's right. it's a section of a song that he may come back to many times, but he's very clearly inspired by artists like Terry Riley, artists like Philip Glass, which you mentioned when we were yeah. you know, looking that up. It's stuff that I really enjoy. It's stuff that I'm like, when I'm thinking of orchestral, I'm not always thinking of the repetitive stuff. Like he does stuff that can build, but um, Dear Mr. Supercomputer always comes to mind, especially honestly yeah. the avalanche in general is, is really full of this stuff. Yeah. Maybe one that people know. Um, I definitely, if, if you know Sufjan Stevens, you know the song Chicago. Yeah. I don't actually feel the need to play that song. I think it's kind of, um, it is well known enough that I almost like don't have any thought about it. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like I've just like heard yeah. it so many thousands of times. But I also find the sound in Come On Feel the Illinois less of the repetition and more of that like build and bigness. Yeah, for sure. Oh, great intentions. I've got the best of interventions, but it's really hard to stop listening to these songs. <laughs> oh, man. I think about it now. Yeah. So. <laughs> this album, his Christmas albums, uh, which he has several of, uh, yeah. Seven Swans is a big one, um, the song and the album. But Seven Swans, the song, if you listen to the album version, you'll understand like, hey, this is kind of like tied to this sound, but I don't really feel it, right? Um, but there's something going on. If you watch him perform that song live, he does it so much bigger than it is on the original album. It is, I saw Sufjan Stevens in 2010. Our friend Susan and I were late to this concert because we had to Incredible. drive after class from Stillwater, Oklahoma to Dallas. Yeah. And she sped the whole way so we could make it there. For sure. And we walked in and they were playing Seven Swans. I heard it from the bathroom because I had to pee. Yeah. I heard like half of the song from the bathroom and was like shivering. Right. Yeah. I did end up seeing the other half of it, like, you know, yeah. in the concert, but it's gorgeous. It's huge. It's a bombastic, it's yeah. orchestral, right? Like, um, he's doing wild stuff on stage that he just sometimes doesn't do. And, and certain yeah. tracks for the albums. Uh, this feels like a great moment. Did you ever listen to six swans? No. <laughs> So Six Swans um, was is one of my favorite things. Um, it's a it came out in like 2016 and it is um, someone did basically it's all just mashups of like Sufjan and Drake. Um, <laughs> and it's really, really delightful. I'm going to send you the link, but I, I hope that you'll um, consider uh, listening in the future. I will have to check um, it out. It's it, for a long time. It was the only um, actual piece of media downloaded to my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like what would randomly start playing, but um, it's super fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm looking something up because I know. Okay, yeah. So I do know that in 2011. Um, a bunch of artists got together and re-recorded so, uh, uh, the entire album of Seven Swans. Um, and it's called Seven Swans Reimagined. So on this album, you're getting The Dress Looks Nice on You by the Gregory Brothers. Yeah. You're getting The Transfiguration by David Crowder Band. Yeah. If you, okay. 
pause. If you grew up in like evangelical Christian America, yeah, baby, <laughs> David Crowder man it was a big deal there a for big a little get. bit. Yeah, <laughs> and like the fact th- this immediately, by the way, steps into Sufjan's overlap with Christian spaces, right? Yeah, um, this was music that. I could listen to in the car with my grandmother who thought that like secular music was bad, right? Right. Because enough of it had messages that, you know, sounded like they were biblical, right? Because they were, they were referencing that. Anyway, you've got A Good Man is Hard to Find by DM Stith, who um, Sufjan's collaborated with many times over the years. Um, this album is very good for some reason. It's not in my Apple music. I need to go. Mm. I, I own it somewhere. Um, so I need to go put it in my Apple music. And then I think we're going to jump to our last mode of Sufjan music, which is computer music, big noise boy. Wow. Sufjan actually, I think started in this area. Um, if you're talking about classic Sufjan, you're going to get banjo Sufjan. Mm-hmm. But if you go right before that, right. Yeah. You've got a sun came and enjoy your rabbit, which are really his first two albums as a solo artist. A Sun Came is weird. There's good stuff on A Sun Came. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy a lot of A Sun Came. Satan's saxophones is hilarious and perfect. Yeah. It is not a great album. Yeah. It, it's it's not it's not a an album that you want to return to the album. There are tracks on it that I return to, but I'm not ever like, oh, I really want to listen to that whole album. Right. I love listening to like the little interludes where they're doing like chipmunk voices sure. and pretending to be the children that they used to be. Right. <laughs> he and his brother. It has some noise stuff on it. It's largely kind of, it's like, it's kind of rock bandy. Right. Yeah. Enjoy your rabbit is very much like computer music and some piano. Right. Of, I mean, it's like Terry Riley inspired stuff, but it's also just like him being weird. It's listenable for sure. Yeah. Right. Um, it's just not, it's not something I really spend a lot of time going back to. I think he really, and everyone I think that like Sufjan would say this, he really perfected this style of music and on Age of Odds. That entire album, except for its opening track, Feudal Devices, is full of music created by computers and almost nothing else. Um, yeah. He, this is the the tour that I saw, and he said um, when he was talking about, you know, some of the tracks that like, he wanted to explore sound from like its like bassist elements, right? Yeah. So starting with sine waves and working up, right? Yeah. That shit ended up being like what I went and studied in school, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and I think I loved this album before that, but I have such a respect for it because like the stuff he's doing, if he really like went and learned synthesizers from sine waves up, what he yeah. got to with Age of Odds is incredible in like a year and a half. Yeah. The fact that you can even get anything that is like melodic and listenable is is wild unless you've like got like training training, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Age of Odds is um, for me like the moment this this album more than others, I think like is also very for me like a moment between in in our friendship right mm-hmm. list driving around listening to age of odds and, and other albums that we were very into at the time in like 2011 so like a year after age of odds had come out like is a very core memory for me in our friendship um but i also like think a lot about how 
Age of Odds was really challenging for me at first, yeah, like because it, it wasn't what I expected, right? I expected melodic. <laughs> I expected Noise Boy, mm-hmm. you know, maybe sad banjo Noise Boy, mm-hmm. but not Noise Boy computer Noise mm-hmm. Boy. Um, and over time, I find that it is one of the albums that I return to the most, um, just because, like. I think that my interest in music and in music that takes new approaches to old formulas has grown over time. And so this album like really lives in that space for me. Yeah. This is the album that taught me how to adapt with musicians. Um, That is not always possible. (laughs) Mumford and Sons, you cannot go make Coldplay music and expect me to continue (laughs) following you. (laughs) I did. Uh, I in fact loved Coldplay for a long time, and they started yeah. making music that was far more bland than it used to be. Yeah, right? I want to. There's only one track that I really want to play because I think it's indicative of what's going on in this album. Yeah, and it's uh, too much. It's the it's the first track on the album that is this style. It's right after Feudal Devices. <laughs> it just jumps right in there. <laughs> And like, you're listening to this for the first time, you're like, what the fuck? Especially after (laughs) Feudal Devices, that's like very banjo. Yeah. It's a good while in the song before there's ever like a tone. Yeah. There you go. If I was a okay, I, that that thing that comes in that is um, melodic, that that is the beginning of a thing that Sufjan keeps in all of his music for basically the rest of time. It shows up in, yeah. like, I was listening to things in Javelin, and I was like, oh, that's Age of Odds, right? Yeah. Like, I've heard that before. Yeah. And it's actually, it was in Carrie and Lowell as well, as well. Even though yeah. people claim that Carrie and Lowell and Javelin are a return to form. I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, he's pulling from all the pieces of himself, and I think it's important to say, to say that these modes are not exclusive. Yeah, right? like, very much. Age of Odds has a lot of orchestral Sufjan, right? Hell, I mean, Fuel Devices is straight up a sad guitar song. Yeah. It's and and the end of my favorite track on the album, which is 25 minutes, Impossible Soul, is that same vibe. It's so long. It's so long. <laughs> I hated it, to be totally honest, until I saw it performed live and he described it as an opera. And I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is something that like. I mean, Sufjan has certainly never shied away from having a very long track mm-hmm. somewhere on his album, right? Frequently, there's an, a song that's six to like 12 minutes mm-hmm. on many of the other albums. But this one, certainly, I think, especially one of the reasons why Age of Odds is something that I return to is because I really, um, really, really loved um, The Planets. I think it's planetarium yeah is you're speaking specifically of like the compositions like classical compositions that he did yes yes and that was what got me back into this right so like not seeing it live but like 
having then heard some of these like more classical compositions and and hearing him take on more long form music got me back to listening to that track again yeah. on Age of Odds. And I was like, okay, now I get it. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. It's I, I think it's so interesting. He manages uh, not that like pop and opera are like totally foreign. Like that has existed before. Yeah. Right. But um he merges form. I think it's it's yeah. it's less about genre and it's more about form. Right. 100%. And that is um, the interesting thing that is happening there with Impossible Soul and is the reason that, like, I understood it finally when he, like, set yeah. it on stage, right? Yeah. I Actually, you calling out the planetarium brings up that there is this, like, fifth mode of Sufjan that I don't really engage with, right? Oh, yeah? I, I don't – I have listened to everything he's ever released. But sure. the, I, I have never re-listened to Planetarium. I did mm. not spend a lot of time listening to The Ascension, which you might argue is more age vods, but I think sure. fits more in his orchestral. And I mean orchestral yeah. not in like the folk sense, in the like, actually there's an orchestra on stage, right? Like that stuff is just like, I don't know. It's just not for me. It's just like not the thing that I yeah. enjoy. Um, but it's worth yeah. calling out that that does exist, right? In fact, he had yeah. a, a um, he did a composition for the Houston Ballet Right. Yeah. That released at some point in the last year, um, uh, a recorded version of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that Planetarium is also like it. If we're talking about pieces of media that were like made for me, it's like, oh, um, the Bryce from the National and Sufjan Stevens collaborating on mm -hmm. a cycle of pieces based on the planets. <laughs> like, like, yeah, that might be for AC. Yeah. That might be something that they're interested in. So, I mean, that makes sense to me. Um but the, the planetarium, like many other um, artists that I really love who have like classical or classical adjacent side projects, like often become like background listening for me in mm -hmm. a way that um, some other of Sufjan's projects are like hard for me because either the lyrics or even just like the sound is like challenging, which I like and I think is good. Right. But like it's very hard for me to listen to Age of Odds as background music. It is music that demands to be listened to. Mm -hmm. And like it needs a t it it requires my attention, yeah. right? It deserves it also deserves my attention, right? Like, but it is not. Um, it, Sufjan is rarely casual listening for me. Agreed. Um, so you see, I want to talk about that them piece you sent me. Oh my god, <laughs> so, so good. Uh, was it yesterday you texted me that? Yesterday, yeah. Yesterday. So we've been AC to just like kind of peel the peel the curtain away. Uh, texted me, hey, do we know what we're going to talk about this weekend? Yeah. And we hadn't really quite figured it out. We mentioned we have a few ideas that we weren't ready for them yet. And I said, it's kind of out of left field, but I could talk about Sufjan Stevens. And AC was like, it's really funny that you think that's out of left field. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, wow. Just the most on brand thing for us to talk about a band that we've loved for 20 years. Um, yeah. <laughs> and used to listen to all the time together. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Ugh. the stuff that I wanted to talk about was was the Evans Richardson was like, you know, Sufjan Stevens, uh, what I was thinking of calling like, in scare quotes, quiet queerness, right? Yeah. Um, because I don't think it's ever been quiet. And I, I had this whole thesis and I was like starting to like, you know, formulate notes I was going to write down. <laughs> and then you sent me this piece from Lexi <laughs> McKinnaman. McKinnaman? Lexi McKinnaman. Yeah. We're going to go with that. McKinnaman, over on yeah. them. 
Uh, and I'm just going to read the opening paragraph because it's basically the thesis that I had. Yeah. Much ink has been spilled wondering whether singer-songwriter Sufjan Stevens, who did not explicitly clarify his sexuality to the public for many years, could be queer. As it turns out, we finally have an answer to the meme, is this Sufjan song gay or about God? And it's the one many of us knew all along. Both. I just like... I probably would have had like seven paragraphs to get to that point. And yeah. they just like got straight <laughs> to it in two sentences, which is that fundamentally, uh, and this is, you know, the headline of this uh, article is Sufjan Stevens were always gay and they were always about God. Um, yeah. And I think the thing that I would say more explicitly is that Sufjan has always been queer and Sufjan yeah. has always been a Christian. Yeah. And I think for me, that has been, frankly, a difficulty as a Sufjan fan for a long time. Yeah. Right? Like, um, I don't need to get into the details, but, like, got a lot of, you know, religious trauma growing up as a queer kid in evangelical Christian America. Yeah. And I, while I am, I think I've always remained open to the idea of religion and and to uh, spirituality and all of the above – definitely went through phases where I was like actively angry and rejecting of people. Right. Yeah. Um, who were queer and Christian. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's also, I think there's, there's something to be said for, we also come from a part of the country where neither of those things, when, how am I trying, what am I trying to say? I don't want anyone to listen to this and think that I'm like <laughs> dogging them. Right. right. But like, but like, there is a specific brand of queer Christian from the Midwest, from mm -hmm. Oklahoma, from this part of the Central Plains part of the country, the Bible Belt, whatever. That's like, it just, there's, it is not, it doesn't seem possible to be both like queer and Christian and quiet about it. Mm -hmm. It is always, there was a layer of like, there's room for you too if this mm -hmm. if if you want to be here and it was like what if i told you i don't want to be here yeah. <laughs> like like i'm just not interested i'm not interested in talking about it i'm not interested in exploring it i'm so happy for you to hear that you have found your place in church and also do you there 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 are so many other ways that we get to live and like be celebrate our lives and right. build community and space together and also like it felt a, it can feel a lot like the same like evangelicalism. I was gonna the, the thing that right? are coming to my head is like evangelical evangelicalism is still evangelicalism if yeah. it's from a queer person, right? Yeah. Like all the things about evangelicalism are still gross, but yeah. I think it's important to say that like not all Christianity and definitely not all religion, right, does the evangelicalism thing, right? <laughs> right, correct, yeah, and and that was a thing that I had to learn over time. Right. Yeah. After like years after I left the church, right. Yeah. Years after I came to my own sense of self-realization. And it, I think I went through phases where it was difficult to listen to the, the older stuff. Right. Um, I yeah. think of a lot of the stuff on Michigan and a lot of stuff on seven swans is really, really religious to be alone with you, which I plan on talking about later um, is, was a difficult song to listen to for a long time. Cause I couldn't like square the idea that, my favorite artist who I associated with my queerness, right. Yeah. Was like talking about the things that like I associated with some of the worst parts of my life. Yeah. Right. 
get a little bit lighter here. There was a conversation in the music channel in the TWGD Discord recently. <laughs> and I mean, ever so if you're from TWG, you probably love and listen to Sufjan all the time because I definitely know that I've had long conversations with people there about Sufjan yeah. Stevens. And Will, uh, who is uh, friends with Brendan and Steven from Into the Aether and has been on a few of their episodes, was on one recently. They were sharing that they worked with this person for some time who claimed that there were obviously no queer themes in Sufjan music. What were they talking about? What? <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Yeah. <laughs> and like, like Sifian, like I said, has always been queer. And my Ooh. immediate reaction to that idea is like touching his back with my hand. I kiss him. Yeah. And like predatory wasp of the Palisades is out to get us is a song about young children. Absolutely. Yes. It's a song about kids at camp or in some camp like situation. Right. Yeah. And it is, Obviously, therefore, not like a sexual thing. Right. But that's not what queerness is. <laughs> right. Right. Like it is a it is a story about, I'll say the main character, the protagonist of this song, having some kind of intimate or feelings, intimate relationship or feelings yeah. with another boy. Yeah. Like that is what that song is about. And to have someone say there's no queer themes. No queer themes. In Sufjan music mm-hmm. is mind boggling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's also very much like the, some of the difficulty in the crossover, um, like aspect of Sufyan's music into like the realm of Christianity was like, people really wanted to take those parts of the music away. Mm-hmm. Right. To say it's not possible. There are no queer themes because it is religious music. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, or and and even in the other direction, right? There are no religious themes because it's actually about all of these other things, mm-hmm. right? Like, and so I, I mean, I don't know. I think the the ultimate thing for me is that I mean, yeah, it's both, and it, it gets to be both, and we don't have to sacrifice one thing to have the other. Yeah, yeah. As a, it was, I think it was a rough reality for me to come to, and I think it continues to be for Christian evangelicals who want, yeah, uh, who want to enjoy Stephen Stevens. Yeah. Um, another song <laughs> that I think is so obviously queer. What do you think I'm going to say? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm all ears though. I'm very. We talked about it ears. already. It's Fuel Devices. It's the first yeah. track on Age of Odds. is like the one ultra folky track on on age of odds and it's this story of 
Sufjan admiring someone, someone that he has slept on their couch and felt safe. Mm-hmm. And the wild, the, this song is so fucking wild to me. And I remember the first time I heard it, I was angry, right? Because uh, these are the lyrics. I would say I love you, but saying it out loud is hard. So I won't say it at all. And I won't stay very long, but you are the life I needed all along. I think of you as my brother, although that sounds dumb. When that man said brother for the first time, Mm. my little 20-year-old brain was screaming in anger, right? Mm. Because, like, there's a lot going on here. But, like, I think the word brother does so much. And I think I felt, I felt betrayed. (laughs) If you're going to talk about a man in the story, is brother the relationship you're trying to get across? Right. Interesting. And that comes from like a selfish place from my perspective. Right. Um, Like that's what I want from this person, what I want from this music. But I think to me, what it says now is 33 year old Matt. Right. It's like, that's probably a genuine feeling that he had about some person, whether this story is real or not. I don't think the story needs to be like true for this feeling to be true. And it could be a rationalization of something, but the fact that, the fact that it is a man that he is speaking yeah. about, I think is more important, more important in the story than like what he feels about their relationship. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, my reading of it has always been totally different. Really? And that like, because I think, uh, I mean, the last line of the song is the one that carries the meaning for me. Right. And words are futile devices. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I've always read it as is like, I think of you as my brother, but brother isn't the right word. That's so, right? yeah, that's where I'm at. Right. Now. Like, and yeah, yeah, conveying like intimacy and closeness. And like, I've always thought about like, you know, there, there are like the tropes about, you know, straight dudes, mm-hmm. like they're best friends. They never, they never say I love you to each other or mm-hmm. whatever, or they say it all the time. What are the, what are the two, yeah. right? Um, but the like, the, the inability of, um, American masculinity to create space for like tenderness and like love between people, even in platonic relationships. Right. Um, That brother is the closest word that we have for that, that men have for someone they feel in like true in like in true intimacy with who is not someone who they're in a romantic, like heterosexual partnership with. So I don't know. I, I can see I, I hear where you are coming from and that. And I mean, that's also was never I, my experience was never like being a gay man. Right. right? Like, was never being a gay closeted man at any point in my life. Yeah. Right. So like that's that is really interesting to hear. Yeah. I think I land where you are now. Yeah. Right. And maybe more then. But I think back when I was listening to it. I was one. I was much younger. <laughs> yeah. Right. But two, I was just I was looking for something because I knew everything that we had seen before in Sufjan music. Yeah. Right. And I was like, Oh, that's it. You know? And, and now I understand like, no, the title of the song is the point of the song. Right. Yeah. There's this intimacy in this relationship and like, he doesn't have the words for it, but he's yeah happy about it, even though he's melancholy about it. AC, do you know, I'm going to totally say this person's name on the show. Cause I don't think that they know I exist anymore. Um, Amazing. But do you, 
know the story about the first time that I slept on Chevy's couch? No. Because <laughs> I think it was right Do before I? you and I started hanging out. Uh, it was like the end of that school year. Yeah. There's another person that you and I know that I'm not going to name because I definitely mm-hmm. do know they exist mm-hmm. and know who I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Chevy was this guy that I was seeing and like had a really deep connection with very, very fast. And we decided that we were going to get some mutual friends together and just like drink and party at his house one night. Yeah. And I got too drunk. And so I slept on his couch mm-hmm. and I 1 million percent romanticized just sleeping on his couch. Right. Yeah. Like, like you do, <laughs> you know, yeah. and woke up in the morning that morning. It was graduation and mm. his roommate was graduating. I'll say that clean yeah. so I can edit it. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I woke up before anyone else did and I folded up the blankets really nice on the couch and I put a note that was like, just like a little thank you note or whatever yeah. for letting me stay there. And then I like, you know, walked down to my truck and and drove home. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> I was telling the story in the TWD Discord the other day, and someone was like, "Fuck, you fucking lived that song." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. That was in a time where I was like over over romanticizing every interaction with a boy that I thought was cute, and like, I don't know. I would later go on to date him based on recreating uh, a scene from He's Just Not That Into You. So. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, who among us didn't romanticize everything about our lives in rural America (laughs) in the early 2010s to get by? I think it was a coping mechanism, if I'm being honest. (laughs) So the next I want to call out, like, I think there's some inherent queerness in the existence of this song. I cannot point you to lyrics. I cannot point you to a good reason. But I'm just going to say that the existence of the song Tanya Harding reads gay to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This man released <laughs> a single that is two iterations of the same song called Tanya Harding. One Tanya Harding in D major, the other Tanya Harding in E flat major. That's just absurd to say. <laughs> <laughs> What's absurd about it? It's just totally normal. <laughs> it's just a song about an ice skater. He apparently wrote them hoping to get them into the movie I, Tanya. Of course he did. Of course he did. That's and like, so funny. they just didn't make, like, they just didn't care. Like, he wrote them and was like, oh, I heard you're making this movie here. And they were like, yeah, neat, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Matt, the inherent queerness in this is that, like, uh, uh, not, okay, not to be, we're not that we're doing stereotyping here. There's plenty of like, stereotypes here. Are straight men into figure skating? No, like, it's <laughs> it's figure skating. It's putting um, it's putting women on pedestals, even if yeah. they are uh, violent or fictional villains, right? Like yeah. it is adhering to so many gay stereotypes, right? Like you would see drag of Tanya Harding, and it would make one million percent yeah. sense. Yeah, right for sure. Like. I actually want someone to do Tanya Harding drag to this song. God, that would whip. That would be so good. I'm sure someone is. If you have done this, <laughs> send me a clip because I want to see it. I'm going to play a little bit of Tanya Harding in E flat major just to listen to it because it's been a while. The good one. Tanya Harding, my star. Well, this world is a cold one, but it takes one to know one. You can tell, by the way, that he was preparing for his um, Call Me By Your Name stuff. Yeah. Just some Portland white trash. So cinematic. You confronted your sorrow like there was no tomorrow. 
enough of that i love the line just some portland white trash i i don't know how to like you're right all the things you said make complete sense but like the line just some portland white trash is gay okay yeah i just you're right it feels gay i don't know what else to say about it yeah we need are they gay to drink this down for us i'm just gonna send it to him and be like here I mean, I feel like the other lyric in this this particular song is um, towards the end of the song when it's like, the world is a bitch. The world is a bitch, girl. Don't wind up in a ditch, girl. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, uh, Tanya Harding, Sufjan Stevens lyrics. Oh, my God. I also, the song starts out, Tanya Harding, my star. Yeah. I mean, I actually think that, like, the song itself is, like, a really interesting, like, essay on how we do and don't romanticize, like, different, um, like, characters in the story. And obviously, it's it's very, I mean, I think that whether you had told me that Sufjan was trying to write these to get these into the movie or not, I just assumed that that's what was <laughs> happening because they are also so narrative and like na- the song names so many of the other people involved in the incident. It's not just like, mm-hmm. it's not incidentally like Sufjan just wanted to write a song about this, you know? Um. Yeah. He says Yamaguchi and red. She had high rise or she had high rise on roses and red carpet poses. Uh, her outfit was splendid. Nancy Kerrigan's charm. Um, well, she took a, she took quite a beating. So you're not above cheating. Can you blame her Oof. for crying? <laughs> my God. Oh my God. This song, like, uh, I mean, forget the queer stuff for a second. Like it's just a good song. Yeah. It, it's incredible. And I mean, and I said, um, you know, the, the E flat major is the good one. Um, I, is E flat major. I like them both. Yeah, but E flat major. Yeah. yeah, I'm just a sucker for E flat. Okay, it's, fine. <laughs> it's just me. Yeah, that's just an interesting fact about me and many Americans. Uh, if we're being honest, yeah, I feel like people who love Sufjan also very clearly love drop D tuning because um, we all eventually <laughs> went on to love uh, Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a straight line. Yeah. It's a straight line. <laughs> okay, sorry, I said this while we were listening to it, but it's so clear that he is setting up like musically to write the music for call me by your name. Right. Um, I want to say now I still like this movie. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of criticisms about this movie, be it army hammer. You can't watch army hammer. I get that. That's fine. Uh, be it. It's a 17 year old and a grad student. Totally understand why that puts people off. But I think there's a lot of truth in that story. Right. Yeah. Both in the fact that that is how some people f- have their sort of coming of age first love story. And also that that's a power dynamic that exists in the world and that is important to talk about. Yeah. And it and is a power dynamic that exists specifically in the queer community. Exactly. Right. Like, like it doesn't, it, it is complicated and it is difficult, and, but it is also true. Right. And, and right? also no one is just, dis- I don't think it's fair to say that like, traumatic moments cannot also right have aspects that are personally revelatory or important or um positive right it's not to say that any of those things should happen or that like we shouldn't have expected a life that was different for those people rather than what did but it is to say that like 
we grow from things that we experience. Yeah. Right. Um, and seeing a story that like, I think frankly, call me by her name, having read the book as well, actually addresses mm-hmm. that, um, that aspect of its story. The fact, right. That it is a 17 year old and a grad student because of the heartbreak, right. That is that he feels when he has left because yeah, he's a grad student. He has to move on, right? Yeah. This is not going to work out. He's just too young. And that is a critical point of this story. And yeah. um, also the scene with the dad is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I think Talk that... Talk about queerness. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? And I think that, like, one of the things that is just true for me about um, films like Call Me By Your Name and, and criticisms of them is that um, one of the hardest things for me and, like, um, modern media criticism is we seem to have conflated something existing with some that that the thing then glorifying yes. that thing or celebrating that yes. thing or saying that it's good. Um, and I don't think that Call Me by Your Name is trying to say that that kind of relationship is good. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think that it's trying to tell you a story where the two people are star-crossed lovers, uh, hero heroes who deserve to wind up together. That's not the story that it's telling or the thing that it's doing yeah. um, for me anyway. Yeah, I agree. To me, it's the story um, through Elio's eyes, right? Uh, uh, like about what it was like to go through that scenario. Yeah. And like, sure, in the book, does like he eventually go on to, as an adult, find Oliver again, right? Yeah. And have an experience with him as an adult. Yes. And that does, in fact, comment on the previous situation they were in. Yeah. Anyway, that's a quick aside about anyway, that movie. An aside about, I mean, just media in yeah. general. <laughs> <laughs> the music. And it is beautifully orchestrated. It's beautifully, beautifully um, accompanied by, by yeah. uh, Sivion Stevens, both uh, Mystery uh, of Love, Visions of Gideon. I mean, stunning songs. I mean, truly beautiful. And I, I think one thing that I said as we were uh, listening to Tanya Harding, right, That the is you can hear the preparation for like a much more cinematic style of music. And certainly both of the tracks from call me by your name, like really play into that. Like it sounds like music from a movie compared to um, some of Sufjan's others, other works. It's less discordant and it has less tension um, and like more resolution in um, like the melodies and things like that. Yeah. The thing that I was I was pointing out when we were listening to Tanya Harding was specifically there's this like airy, um, I would call it almost blurry quality, mm. right? That exists Gauzy. in music that is that's more cinematic. You might call it ethereal. I, I don't know, but like um it it's like the especially in the upper register in Tanya Harding, those the thing you were pointing out, like the little piano keys, right? They're like a little dampened, right? Yeah. Um but it's it's not dampened in a way that is sort of muted. It's dampened in a way that is sort of like spread across the entire frequency base of that, uh, yeah, or uh, frequency spectrum uh, of that song, which is really cool. I could talk about John Wayne Gacy Jr. It's one of my favorite tracks. I don't think that the text of this song is like actually Sufjan being like I'm actually as bad as John Wayne Gacy Jr. I think it's yeah. him a one exploring the story of John Wayne Gacy because he was, you know, writing an album about the place that John Wayne Gacy was from. Yeah. But I also think it's it's a little bit to me just about like about self loathing, right? Um, whether queerness is an aspect or not, there um, I do think that's part of the queer experience. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Sufjan would be like, 
you know, oh yeah, I'm like really into serial killers or something. I think he was like, right. the, you know, like writing a song about a story that was important to that place and then also just trying to explore his space within it. Yeah. And I mean, I think that there's also something to be said for like, I mean, Sufjan is older than you and I, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's also something to be said for like, who are the notable people, right? And not that John Wayne Gacy is the only queer mm-hmm. person, you know, who was notable from his era. Certainly that's not true, but like who are the people with notoriety who Mm -hmm. are associated with the category of being queer and being gay and like trying to process that in 2005, certainly you're having, I mean, and even before that, because Mm -hmm. we don't pretend like uh, the year that an album is released is when songs were written. Right. But that like, there is this aspect of if you were to say out loud that you were gay to someone in a certain context at a certain time, who are they then going to bring up that you are like? Like, right. Yep. And I think that it's easy for us in like the post Ellen era to think of more positive role models, mm-hmm. although I don't know if I'm uh, I'm OK with the implication that Ellen DeGeneres is a positive <laughs> role model these days. But but like there's She's something certainly to not be a said serial for. killer. <laughs> right. Well, maybe. Honestly, you know, you never know those Hollywood types. They're weird. Yeah. OK, um, but um, no, I'm sorry. I don't mean to imply that. Um uh, please don't sue me. Ellen <laughs> I was say, we're already playing a bunch of music. In this. <laughs> but I, I think my my point here is like about like collective memory and notoriety and yep. queerness and and the the people that we think about as associated with ourselves um, or that we're told are associated with people like us. Yeah, if you're in the wrong room, right, with the wrong person, they can compare you to their only point of reference, right? Um, yeah. You know, my grandmother's references where queer people are are much, <laughs> you know, uh, different than my own. Yeah. So Sufjan's always been queer, but Sufjan has always been Christian. We talked about Age of Odds a little bit already, but um, one of the people that inspired Age of Odds was Royal Robertson. I'm going to be real and tell you, I don't know <laughs> a ton about Royal Robertson, Um other than what Sufiana said on stage at that show that I went to over 10 years ago and what's on Wikipedia. But what you should know is that um, he was an artist. Um, He was a self-proclaimed prophet. He, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia um, and that uh, contributed a lot to his art and to the things that he said about himself. But Royal uh, passed away in 1997 and I think honestly, like Sufjan was just like really into um, his art. Um, so Wikipedia says things like he studied the Bible, and there are many references to it, references to it in his work, together with references to quote girly magazines, comic strips, and science fiction. And like that stuff is all over Age of Odds, right? Yeah. Age of Odds onward, Sufjan got really into collages, which is a huge thing on Javelin, yeah. right? And like I think that directly comes from Royal Robertson's artwork. Interesting. Um, and and his relation to it, and and his relationship to Royal's family members, um, and. Also, a lot of what came out of that exploration was some really intense, almost dogmatic Mm. Christian lyrics. Yeah. Right? Um, There's this song called Get Real, Get Right on Age of Odds. And (laughs) just going to read some of these. Follow those created deaths. Fortune, save me from his wrath. Spaceship out the house at night. 
prophet, speak what's on your mind. So he's def- he's directly, by the way, referencing Royal Robertson, right? Yeah. And then the chorus is, you know, you really got to get right with the Lord. <laughs> um, and like at the end, he's seeing over and over again, get real, get right, for you will not be distracted by the signs. Do not be distracted by them. Do your save, do yourself a favor and get real, get right with the Lord. Get real, get right with the Lord. Yeah. I had a Tumblr mutual back in the day. He's the one that introduced me to the the, the term Sufi Stevies. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, it was in the context of him saying that like he didn't like this album because he felt mm-hmm. that it was like beating him over the head with religion. Yeah. Right. And I think that's just like, he, he wasn't like listening to it very deeply. Um, and sure. frankly, I didn't know anything about Royal, Rob- Royal Robertson when I was listening to it. It took me going to that concert. But what Sufjan is, is doing here is I think um, almost writing from the perspective of Royal I don't, <laughs> I'm going to guess that Sufyan's opinion on Christianity is not do your safe, do yourself a favor and get real, get right with the Lord. Yeah. It doesn't really match up with anything else he's ever done in this music. Yeah. But a thing that I am impressed by when I listen to things like this from him are that he's able to explore that stuff and like still make meaningful things I'm, I'm interested in listening to. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting too. I I didn't know that about Royal Robertson and I think that that's really interesting context to add because I think your your thought that like it's not necessarily what Sufyan believes or like Sufyan thinks that mm-hmm. he's putting forward there. Like Vesuvius, right, on that album uh, certainly, right? Like go runs pretty not counter, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like another a, a, a different dogma, if you will, right? right. Like it, it is doing something similarly dogmatic, but it's not professing to a Christian God mm-hmm. in the my reading of it anyway. Yeah, it's so the, the repetitive line in that song is Vesuvius, fire of fire, follow me now as I favor the ghost, right? Yeah. Um, it, it reads as a prayer to me, yeah. <laughs> that song. Yeah, very much. And like, I mean, the right before that rep- repetitive part, the part where it's like self-referential, mm-hmm. um, I can't remember Sufi what the on, like. Follow your heart. Follow the flame. Yeah, follow, Lord, follow, follow path. The yeah, yeah. I I think that that part is so that is is interesting because that always felt really yeah similarly like a prayer or like a call or like a much more spiritual mm-hmm. than I experience the lyrics of like, get real, get right. Yeah, I agree. We mentioned earlier that seven swans is kind of a a hotbed for this kind of, um, uh, exploration. Yeah. And to be alone with you, um, I do want to play a little bit, um, to listen to it, but I I will say it's actually followed up. uh, Like the next track is a track called Abraham, which is, just a retelling of the story of Abraham and Isaac. Yeah. Just straight up. <laughs> straight up. <laughs> and I remember listening to these two songs at my private Christian evangelical school growing up and thinking highly of myself for listening to music that was both good and good, right? Like, yeah. Um, and not really understanding some of the bigger things that, you know, Sufjan was interested in. Um, I do think, think though, that, Abraham is literally him just exploring that story and what it means to him. Like it's pretty yeah. straightforwardly like him exploring a, a you know religious parable or story, however you want to view it, and saying, "What can like what does this mean to me as a Christian?" Yeah. Right. Um, 
To Be Alone With You is similar. We'll listen to it really quick. remember listening to that for the first time and being like musically i have never been more impressed um at the risk of maybe putting you in in, um a very sad dire space i don't know um this song specifically in contrast with will any the track will anybody ever love me mm-hmm. from the newest album javelin is actually hurting my feelings <laughs> um i think the it, they're actually so similar mm-hmm. like melodically they're very similar the pacing is really similar um and the contrast of like the loneliness the the from mm-hmm. for the yearning right in in this song to be alone with you like i that is like this yearning this deep need um and the contrast of will anybody ever love me which is like just uh almost about like loss and and grieving mm-hmm. and like and, and loneliness from a different direction right um feels very it's almost the the story stark. after this story yeah um Arf. oh no i'm gonna get so, i'm so yeah, sad i know <laughs> I want to call out, there's lyrics happen right after the piece that we listened to, which is, you gave your body to the lonely. They took your clothes. You gave up a wife and a family. You gave your ghost to be alone with me, to be alone with me, to be alone with me. You went up on a tree. If there's anyone who didn't grow up in a Christian, you know, lifestyle, then like you won't maybe know that you went up on a tree is a direct reference to crucifixion. This, I think, is the origin. Is, Is that song gay or is it about God? This, yeah. this this track. I mean, this is pretty early in his career too, right? And I think fundamentally the answer is both. Like the yeah. ans- in, in this song, in his career, in his life, the answer is both, right? Yeah. Literally there are two different verses, I believe, dedicated to different people. Yeah. Right? The first is to whomever he's speaking to in this song that he's in love with. The second is to Jesus, yeah. Right. Like, like straight up. That's who yeah. he's talking to in the song. And that's, uh, this was a song that's difficult for me to listen to for a long time because yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm just still thinking about the contrast, uh, with, will anybody ever love me? And, um, it has uh, the lyrics in the pre-chorus in one section say, tie me to the final wooden stake, burn my body, celebrate the afterglow, mm-hmm. wash away the summer sins I made, watch me drift and watch me struggle, let me go. And just like that in the yeah. like 
the 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 distance and direction and like the uh, I'm going to play a little bit. Sufi. Chase away my heart and heartache Run me over, throw me over, cast me out Find a river running to the west wind Just above the shoreline you will see a cloud Tie me to a tiny Stop. Um, I can't listen to any more of it. I will cry <laughs> on this podcast. We've come dangerously close twice now. I, I want to call it that, like, uh, speaking of queerness, so much of the imagery uh, related to this album and the single specifically is of these, like, 60s, 70s, 80s magazines. And it's full of, like, beefcake dudes. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um queer people like just very obviously people that are either trans or presenting as women maybe it's drag i'm not sure yeah um and like overdone makeup on like cis women right yeah um and also like some drag yeah also (laughs) um and also like occasionally just like like your what's the word i'm looking for you get both like sexualized women and you also get this like the only words I can come up with are like gay icon style, like photography. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like the way that like you might see a Madonna photo shoot or something. Glamour like that. shots. Yeah. But like spe- specifically there's this language that is like directed at like yeah. gay men. This is for you. And there's a yeah. lot of that. Um, in the there's imagery. very strong textualism happening here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I think that's all that I have to say about the Christian aspects of his music. We've yeah. already started to touch on the sadness and the respect to Sufjan. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do want to explore some of Javelin more explicitly right for this, and then I think yeah. that'll be the episode. But um, I want to talk about how we listen to Sufjan. Yeah. Well, actually, I just want to go, let's go back to the quote that I read earlier. He said, I know I've often been the poster child of pain, loss, and loneliness. And when I hear people talk about Sufjan, it's in the broader world, often on TikTok or, you know, like just random person I tell that, you know, Sufjan's my favorite artist, whatever. I get a lot of responses that are like, oh, that's so sad. You know, no, I don't think I've ever had anyone that's like, uh, why would that be your favorite? It's too sad, you know? Yeah. But I get a lot of like reactions that are like almost performative or overdone in a way that is, I'm like, that's just not how I experienced Sufjan. Like I, yeah. I enjoy sad music, but it doesn't make me sad all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I've told this story on the show before, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I went to Gimlet Fest in 2019. Podcast event 
lots mm-hmm. of live performances and whatnot. At the end of the night, they did like a nightcap. One of the producers, I never, I'm never going to remember who it is, but it, he, he's like, he like is on like Radio Lab or This American Life now. Like yeah. you've probably heard one of his stories. <laughs> he did a live, like little five minute piece, the premise of which was podcast fans um, are really just emotionally stunted and and mm. use podcasts like this, the sort of narrative style podcast that he and the, those people make as a way to explore their own emotions, Yeah, which I don't think is untrue to be fair, right? Maybe a little bit of a call out on a Saturday night, um, sure. <laughs> but that is often how I use Sufjan, right? Yeah. Um, to explore emotions that I maybe might be feeling, but I'm not sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, to be introduced to emotions sometimes, right? Like, I am not particularly sad at this moment, right? Yeah. But I loved listening to Javelin and exploring loss and grief and sadness. I have felt those feelings before. I felt those feelings recently. But in this current yeah. moment, that's not my feelings, but it was still nice to explore and listen to that. I think the stuff that bothers me is when we get into, like, shitty memes that are, like, you know, referencing self-harm or yeah. or whatnot that are talking about, I think it's okay to say, like, I've, I've got to take some time and prepare myself to listen to this. That's fine. Get that. Yeah. But when it's paired with the self-harm stuff, it's just like the most egregious that comes, comes to yeah. mind. Like when it's paired with stuff like that, like, you know, I might do this to myself if I don't like, that's like, please let's not <laughs> like, like yeah. let's, let's not go there. And so I think that that has my reaction to that stuff has often kept me from engaging with other people who enjoy Sufjan on the internet mm-hmm. because it's sadness is such a, mimetic like idea right yeah around his music yeah and i mean i think there's something to be said for too i mean uh, my genre my preferred genre of music is pretty much just like sad music like there's i like i mean i said that planetarium which is a a project between the national and sufian stevens and several other artists right like is my bread and butter and the national makes very sad music. Right. And like, there are plenty of bands that I listen to that make sad music that people don't have that same mimetic like association mm-hmm. with. I mean, I, I won't say that people don't assume that people who listen to the front bottoms and the national aren't mm-hmm. sad. I think that is like part of it. Right. But like the, the, there is a specific like, uh, yeah. Listen to Sufjan so I can cry, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. kind of vibe, but like, and I think that I, I certainly have said it a number of times here. Like I can't listen to this song for much longer because I will start crying, but it's more like some of the songs, like I think about like Casimir Pulaski day, right? Like I think one of the reasons that it makes me cry is one, it's just a moving song. It it's has gorgeous. a premise that moves me to tears, but I also like have been listening to it for so long that, that it still affects me in that way after nearly 20 years Mm -hmm. of listening to that song, I think is actually a testament to how good it is, Mm -hmm. not how sad or how cringy it is Mm -hmm. that 20, I know all of the lyrics to Casimir Pulaski day by heart. And still I feel that like deep sadness and grief when the lyrics say, you know, and he takes and he takes and he takes like that is how it feels sometimes. And so like I I think that there is a difference um in like listening to sad music as 
catharsis, yeah. which is a lot of what I am doing I when I am listening to Sufjan. That's me so, too. Sufjan. It's interesting you mentioned Casimir Palacio, that lyric specifically, he takes and he takes and he takes. Talk about a religious exploration yeah. that is... Uh, in context about about something else, like he is masterful at bringing his experiences like together across. He, he's he's good at storytelling in a way that like feels like you've you've lived an experience with him, yeah. um, rather than just like explored a single idea for like you know uh, three minutes. Um, yeah. That song, there's so many incredible lyrics. There's uh, the golden rod and the four H stone, the things I brought you when I found out you had cancer of the bone. Yeah. Um, there's he takes, he takes, and he takes. Tuesday night at the Bible study, we lift our hands and we pray over your body, but nothing ever happens. Yeah. Like that shit is incredible. Um, and absolutely. I think I listen to as a catharsis. Mine is always, uh, my favorite, uh, stanza is the, the glory when you ran outside with your shirt tucked in and your shoes untied. Yes. I love that. I love the the I mean I think that that song in particular and actually um a lot of the songs on Javelin more than some of the other ones really feel like uh, some of the other albums really feel like poetry right yeah. and I feel like like Javelin is really in in the poetry realm of lyricism rather than some of the other explorations that are more I don't know um memoir I, I I don't know yeah yeah like I I don't really know what I'm searching for but like all all song lyrics are technically po- poetry, right. <laughs> but like, but I know like what you it's mean. like it's like very like like um Casimir Pulaski Day and a few other songs from older collections, but many of the songs from Javelin feel like they could be read as poetry in right. addition to like being a song being sung. Yeah, I read the essays uh, this morning from Javelin. Yes. There's a bunch of essays included oh with the album, and also um, I'll provide a link to them uh, in the show notes, but. Those they're essays, but they are fundamentally poetry. Yeah, right. He's telling you stories as if it's a memoir, as if. But but the things he's talking about are they're not they're not things you can grasp with your hands. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> right? Like yeah. Um, he's talking about his first loves and his second, third, fourth, fifth loves, but they're all ideas, right? And there's yeah. this idea of uh, this continued idea of birth, right? Yeah. Throughout uh, those essays and. Nothing about it is straightforward. <laughs> he's asking you to do work to like, if you want to understand exactly the thing he's talking about, you're going to need to do work. And yeah. um, I also don't think that's the point. Yeah. I mean, and I think that like the other thing about Sufyan and sadness is right. Like he's not afraid of talking about these themes in his music, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not just sad music in the way that a lot of like music, like uh, by other artists that I've named, like is sad because it's about heartbreak or like, you know, relationship trauma or whatever. Right. Sufyan writes about the painful parts, presumably of his own life. I mean, not presumably and carry a little directly about his own life. Right. In a way that like other bands that I listen to that are some of my favorites, like the Mountain Goats, right, are talking about like very specific traumatic experiences outside of romantic relationships, which I really uh, is is music that I I seek out is yeah. is not necessarily songs that are focused on romantic relationships. And so, yeah, I have a little just like quick thought about Carrie and Lowell. And then I want to talk about some of our favorite tracks for Javelin. Yeah, I think Carrie and Lowell is actually his saddest album. 
maybe up to date, yeah. right? I don't, I don't, I don't really know how I feel about it compared to Javelin, but it's it's an album that's about his mother um, and her second husband, um, Lowell, who ended up founding Asthmatic Kitty, the label that yeah. Sufjan is on. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's a whole thing. But I know that Sufjan um, grew up with his father and his stepmother, and apparently his stepmother was terrible. But like Carrie and Lowell is an album. Uh, about family about the tragedy of having a family right um and as a person who has a lot of family related trauma like it's one of the reasons i can't listen to carrie and lowell it's almost because like it's not because i'm like i i can't feel those feelings yeah it's it's more about like i don't have i'm always going to be trying to figure out what he's talking about and i don't have space in my head for more of that kind of thing yeah (laughs) right (laughs) yeah yeah i think that what I said earlier about like Sufjan's music is music that's hard to have as background noise because it demands to be listened to, yeah. right? It demands to be considered in lots of different ways. Carrie and Lowell does that more, uh, less by being musically challenging, right? But more that the story that is being told, the themes that are being explored are themes that are, for me, very hard to fade into the background. Like, yeah. again, I'm listening to Carrie and Lowell intentionally and I am thinking about it while I am listening to it. Um, the one exception is a, just a bizarre thing about me is that 4th of July used to be on one of my running playlists. It's a good song. <laughs> um, yeah. And it also like has a good pace. It was like in a spot where I was like, okay, like this is like a cool, a cool down type section. Um, although I did once have a very fun, um, experience where I was, um, running, uh, on a trail near Lake Hefner and, um, 4th of July had come on and I was like, la, 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 singing along in my head. And I, right as it gets to the, like the, we're all going to die part, <laughs> look over my shoulder. And, um, uh, I had not realized that there was a huge storm that had rolled in over the lake behind me. So I was like, all right, I guess I got to haul it. And I'm like <laughs> running for my life, listening to 4th of July, like trying to beat a storm back to the car. Amazing. I did, uh, make it to the car right as the sky opened up. So, Congrats. Uh, but yeah, anyway, despite all that, it's the only CD in my car that's been there since 2015. Really? <laughs> that's so funny. Wait, this, this feels like a great great well okay a total aside um have i ever told you i feel like i have uh mitch who uh you know you all know from our disney episode um for like three years every time i got into the car he was listening to the same fun album (laughs) and i thought that that's like just what he listened to in the car all of the time um i finally said something about it to him one day and he told me that um actually it's just that that was what he it was just a CD that was in his CD player in his car, and he pretty much exclusively listened to sports radio when I was not in the car. <laughs> but he knew that I wouldn't want to listen to that, so he would just change it to whatever the CD was, which was just always the same fun album. Amazing. Um, which I think is so funny. That's hilarious. Uh, I love the one CD in the car vibe. Yeah. It's the, it's, I really only ever listen to that album whenever my Bluetooth isn't working in my car, so I have to mm-hmm. switch the source and mm-hmm. then switch back. Yeah. So Javelin. Yeah. <sighs> um, I'll tell you now, I've only got like four songs written here, but if there's any that are okay not here you want to talk about, jump in. Let me know. First track on the album, and the first track I want to talk about is Goodbye Evergreen. I cannot be 100% sure, but it feels pretty damn clear this is a song that is just a goodbye to Evans. It really does. It really does. It's really sad. <laughs> I probably won't listen to it with you and me unless you want me to, but... um. I, I will put a clip here in the episode. Green, you know I love. 
consent must burn out in the end. I promised you, just as you were in my dream. Now let me off easy, and I'll slip down through the drain to release my scattered brains. <laughs> Something just isn't right. I cut from the inside. I'm frightened of the end. I'm drowning in my self-defense. Now punish me. Think of me as what you will. I grow like a cancer. I'm pressed out in the rain. Deliver me from the poisoned pain. And then it's just goodbye evergreen repeated. You know I love you. I find it interesting. Sufjan's relationship to death in his music. Yeah. Right? He's clearly not afraid to talk about death. But... At least musically, it seems that he's pretty strongly afraid of death. Mm. And this one, this one really solidified that for me. Mm-hmm. And in like this case, like if this is in fact about Evans, like it's it's clear why, right? Um, yeah. He has lost the man that he, you know, that he loved and that he called, uh, sorry, I have this pulled up too. Um, he called Evan uh, the light of his life, his beloved partner and best friend. Uh, Evans, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, it makes sense that that you would fear death in that moment of lo- in that moment of loss. And I couldn't tell you exactly why it is. I believe that there's a fear there, but I'm just I'm thinking specifically between this song and between Casmer Pulaski Day. Listening to the way that he sort of frames those, Casmer Pulaski Day has a lot of regret. I think built into the way that he talks about that story. There's yeah. just something here that makes me maybe it's resentment or something, right? But there is a mm. It's not like he's come to terms with the idea, right? Which is yeah. fine. I haven't either, right? I, just, yeah. I experienced some some pretty uh, close, um, a death of a pretty close family member last year, and I'm not okay with it, right? Yeah. Still, and so it's it's fine for a random musician to not be okay with it as well. But uh, I, it's just like the way that he talks about it, I find um, interesting to think about. Yeah. I think this song, in contrast to some of Sufjan's other songs about death, even more than fear, I think the themes that come out for me in this album are like more like desperation, which feels harder to hear because the sort of it it feels um, less contemplative, right? Like like earlier works of Sufjan's where he is talking about difficult themes of loss and and grief feel a lot more contemplative and like just a lot less raw, right? Like a lot less like just like if I don't put this out into the universe, it will consume me, you know, whole. Mm -hmm. Um, And in it really the but everything heaven sent must burn out in the end lyric, right? Yeah. This like sort of like hopelessness or desperation. It feels new um, and understandable <laughs> yeah. given the context that he shared. Right. Um, and, and the context that's in some of the essays. Right. Um, well, it also so. reminds me of your, your points in uh, will anybody ever love me? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that song is, uh, we think about loneliness and, and um, about, about loss, but like specifically the loneliness. Um, yeah. I, you know, that song ends with him repeating the words, my burning heart, right. Yeah. Talking about being consumed by not being able to get things out in the world. Right. Yeah. Um, even without death, loneliness is uh, a feeling that you both must profess. And also um, by its own nature is singular, right. Yeah. Is, is almost impossible to get across um, in a meaningful way. 
something I felt in like silly moments, right? Where like I felt lonely because a guy rejected me or something like that yeah. it was really difficult to get across to my friends in that moment, right? Because yeah. they weren't feeling those things. They didn't have the same experience that I did. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's doing a great job of like even just describing the the physical feelings that come mm. into that come into existence through like a reaction to loneliness, well, right? A reaction yeah. to the things that death brings. Yeah, I yes, I we this means we we have to talk about everything that rises next, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything that rises must converge, he says over and over again. This also this track is um Another case of him very clearly um, stating uh, his religious beliefs. Jesus lift me up to a higher plane. I was listening to this in the car with Jonathan the other day, and he's like, "Are you listening to Christmas or Christian music?" And I was like, <laughs> "No, I mean no. yes, but no." Sufi, <laughs> it's just no. Sufi. <laughs> he's a Christian. He does music. <laughs> yeah. And he says, can you come around before I go insane? Cast me not in hell while my demons rage. Turn yourself around to see what I can say. Everything that rises must converge. Everything that rises in a word. Everything that rises must converge. Everything that rises. It feels like he's begging. Like begging to be relieved of pain. Yeah. Everything that rises must converge. Everything that rises in a word. Everything that rises must converge Everything that rises Yeah, the, the desperation again is just like, like, like palpable, yeah. right? The, the, and, and feels, I don't know. It feel it feels palpable. I think that that's like the, the best thing to, that I can even say about it. I don't, I almost wonder like how, how at a loss I feel to describe in relation, like, like what I think in relation to this song feels very connected to how at a loss I often feel like when trying to comfort friends who are in moments of grief, mm -hmm. right? Because, because it is clear it is the pain is clear, the hurt is clear, like the need is clear, but what is not clear and and what he is asking for, right? Mm -hmm. What he is saying he he is looking for, release, relief, right? Like is not something that can be offered. Right. Right? Which is why not, not something that can be offered by a mortal being, <laughs> yeah. right? And so requires a turn to the religious. The next one I want to talk about is specifically my Red Little Fox. Mm. Listening to my Red Little Fox, I was struck that it was the first time, maybe outside of Casimir Pulaski Day, right, that I felt Sufjan was speaking about sex directly. Mm. I don't know that that's the entire theme of this song. Yeah. But it's an extremely intimate song. Yeah. It, so the, the intimacy is in, in, in words... Um, uh, like this, I drink till it's lost, drinking words within that spin down Pentecost, kiss me with the fire of gods, just say what you want, say it out within, without that funny little cough, simple-minded, simple talk. Don't start with your camouflage spurning from within, jump in my red little fox and rivers running through it all. It's, I don't know how to say it other than it's like little and whispered, right? Yeah. In a way that like, 
intimacy and sex can be, right? Yeah. And this song, I think, is maybe, I don't know if it's the most positive. I can't, I don't, like, know the album that well enough yet. But listening to it the times that I have, it's the one that I've been like, oh, he's in the middle of something he's happy to have. Yeah. Yeah, this one feels like a love song in the moment, yes. right? Rather than after the moment. Yeah. It's not him telling someone how he feels in, you know, the way that a love song or a ballad might. It's, yeah. it's him <laughs> describing a scenario. Yeah. Right. The, the lyrics that I um, keep going back to with this are let's not be for want. Wanting is a sin. I don't want anything at all. And like what I take from those lyrics is like, I don't want, like I, I have it. Like, it's sexual. It's like, it's not that I want you. It's that yeah. I have you right now at this moment. Yeah. I know. I think that this one too, um, for me, one of the other things that I noticed in this one is um, just like the present and future tense use here. A lot of times when Sufyan is singing about love, he is singing about things that happened in the past, Right. Um, he is singing about let's return to these moments or do you remember these moments? Um, and this is all present tense. Let, let's go forward with this. Let's keep this like going, you know, jump in with me. Yep. Be present with me. Right. Um, which f- feels different, too. Yeah. This is a direct ripoff from the uh, the Pitchfork <laughs> review of the album. Yeah. But like they brought <laughs> up that um, there's several kiss me lines in in mm. this song there's kiss me from within kiss me like the wind and kiss me with the fire of the gods and those almost describe like the three kind of modes it's in yeah the thing that i wrote down was like kiss me with the fire of the gods reminds me of like those movie sex scenes where they're like throwing each other against walls <laughs> or like uh the tent scene in brokeback mountain except <laughs> this time there's some foreplay and lubrication <laughs> LOL. <laughs> True. Oh, Lord. Yeah, it is a little horny, you know? Yeah, it's it's a little bit horny. Till it's lost, drinking words within that spin down Pentecost. Kiss me with the fire of God. Just say what you want. Um, are there any songs that you want to talk about before shit talk? Well... You know, do you want to talk about the title track? <laughs> yeah, so I have some some uh, references to it. Let's talk about shit talk, and then maybe we can we can get okay. there. Come back to Javelin. Yeah, so I think shit talk is the rawest song on this album, and I don't necessarily mean like the one that like makes me feel the most. I mean the one that like most accurately describes the unfiltered thoughts that I have had in my head before. Yeah, it is Sufyan basically refusing to have an argument, right? Refusing to fight with the person that he loves and refusing to let things get ugly. And I often think about the phrase, um, or like this idea that people say that marriage is hard and that you have to work at it, right? And this song to me describes exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. Right? Like a thing that I have learned being married is that, and not, I don't mean this in like a, you know, like, man, I got to do what my partner says because that'll make life easier. <laughs> but I do mean that like sometimes you just have to like let things be what they are. Yeah. And you don't always have to win things and actually letting things go is a way to build a relationship with someone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually think it's 
it is so interesting to think about this song in the context of Javelin being right before exactly. it. And like the chorus of Javelin being right, like it's a terrible thought to have and hold, right? It fucks and to me have up and to hold, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then like to immediately follow it with this I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fight, right? And like the the choices that we make in our relationships to prioritize like comfort and safety sometimes mean that we do have to convince ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like I do not want to fight. I'm I it to me the way that shit talk sounds is like convincing yourself mm. that you are like I think I think sometimes, right, like something that comes up for me and in my relationships a lot is like the desire to be independent because of my traumas. And like, I don't need to be here. Right. Like you this is this is um just like icing on the cake kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And like the moving from a place of like, I don't want to fight, but like choosing to be here. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I sometimes actually need to convince myself that like it is worth fighting and it is worth staying. Right. Um, and like less of a passive, like I don't want to fight about this because it's not worth the time. But thinking of this as more of like, I don't want to fight about this because I want to be committed and present. And like, I want to set aside the fight so that I can be in this Mm -hmm. to have and to hold, you know? It's interesting too that both of these songs, like I think this album is like very non-linear except for these three songs in a row. Yeah. So you are tired, <laughs> yeah. Javelin and Shit Talk. So you yeah. are tired is it feels like to me it's him egging on his partner. He's mm-hmm. like, so you want to walk away? Fucking yeah. do it then, right? Yeah. Like you think this is done? Well, good fucking luck. See you later. And Javelin is almost an apology for that position. Yeah. Javelin, um, I'm gonna have to look up the lyrics really quick, but he says, searching through the snow for the javelin I had not meant to throw right at you, for if it had hit its mark, there'd be blood in the place where you stood. Like, he says nothing <laughs> there that is an apology, but like, it immediately reads to me as, oh, yeah. I fucked up. Yeah. The We mentioned those essays earlier. There's 10 essays, and their titles form the phrase, my love is a weapon thrown onto the oblivion of your body. And clearly he's like referencing the title Javelin. God, that's so good. I know, right? <laughs> I'm so mad about how good that is. <laughs> <laughs> and like, this is the stuff that makes me think this entire album is just about his relationship with Evans. Yeah. Right? Like, I, yeah. I know that it's wrong to assume these kinds of things unless like someone tells you this, but like it is, it is so, it is so clear to me that like, He's not just exploring Evan's death. Yeah. He's exploring what it is to have a relationship with with someone like he did with Evans. Yeah. In a way that goes deeper than pining for someone or just being in love with someone. There's some of that here, right? We talked about My Red Little Fox. Yeah. That is about the realities of being um, with a person in the way that he was. I mean, and I think that, I mean... Is it my fault, <laughs> right? Coming in the tail part of this album is so indicative of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is is it my fault at the end? I mean, you know, set myself right up for disaster. It hurts my feelings. But the the very last line of verse three, people say love is a death wish. Mm-hmm. Is it my fault? Is like just 
does this like does this song exist without being in relationship and being in like love and partnership with someone who is dying? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I also wonder something I wondered listening to this for the first time was like, when was he writing this? <laughs> yeah. Was he writing this? We don't know how Evans passed away. Right. But was he sick and he was writing this like during that? Yeah. Right. Like, uh, especially with terminal illnesses. Right. Again, we don't know that that's what happened with Evans. I have no idea. Yeah. But like just going off of personal experience, a lot of anger gets flung around. Right. Yeah. And directed at people that you don't expect. Right. So I can see a world, right. Where that's what this is about. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's something to think about when listening to it. It's very easy to read that narrative when, when you are listening to this, I think, because that, that is the same narrative that I read, you know? Yeah. Searching through the snow For the javelin I had not Meant to throw right at you For if it had hit its mark be blood in the place where you stood. It's a terrible thought. It's a terrible Okay, there's one more lyric that I do want to talk Go about, unless you have one more. I'm I am I am all tapped out. Oh my god. The first two lines of fireproof are maybe going to haunt me forever. Am I fireproof or am I on fire? The two appear to be the same. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, that made me think for a really long time yesterday. <laughs> and like thinking about this song as like a meditation on like resilience and like how we how we set ourselves up for like weathering grief. Yeah. I don't know. A lot. This song has a lot more reference, like a lot of like a classic, like, you know, Sufi uh, loves his references that mm-hmm. nobody else understands until you look them up. But the 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 big themes, I just really. That's a good line. Yeah. <laughs> Mount St. Helens made a fuss for a while and she covered us in shame. Yeah. It's like directly what fire, like follows that up. Yeah. I. I like he should focus on things he wants. I just think it sucks. It's obviously it sucks for him to um, have needed to be hospitalized, but also like I wish he could promote this album. I would love to hear more from him, right? About what's going on here, right? Yeah. What things are you going to say that you're exploring to the public, right? I'm sure we'll get that at some point, right? Like I'm very used to having even his kind of like weird indie boy perspective, right? Yeah. <laughs> On like the things that he's talking about, right? Like when he's talking about Age of Odds, he's talking about like Royal Robertson's like, you know, weird ass theories and whatnot. And like, yeah, I end up coming away with it with a lot of like technical stuff that I'm interested in. Yeah. In the case of this, I don't think he'd probably ever directly talk about Evans, but he might talk about grief and loss and like what it means to be an artist exploring those things maybe, yeah. you know. Also, random thing. This man is 48, he like mm-hmm. straight up does not look like that. He's almost 50. <laughs> it has, yeah. He has always looked like 20 years younger than he is. Yeah. I think that's true. 
That is all I have to say about Sufjan Stevens. I think I've exhausted my ability to tie this together in like a nice bow at the end. Yeah, I think that we can tie it together in a nice bow at the end. I'd love to read the last like full paragraph of Sufjan's post that he made announcing the album and talking about Evans. He said, I know relationships can be very difficult sometimes, but it's always worth it to put in the hard work and care for the ones you love, especially the beautiful ones who are few and far between. If you happen to find that kind of love, hold it close, hold it tight, savor it, tend to it, and give it everything you've got, especially in times of trouble. Be kind, be strong, be patient, be forgiving, be vigorous, be wise, and be yourself. Live every day as if it is your last with fullness and grace, with reverence and love, with gratitude and joy. And then, because it wouldn't be Sufyan without a little bit of Christianity, this is the day the Lord has made. Yeah. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I was going to say, I didn't remember that post exactly, but I remember reading one and I was like, oh, I think there's like a little religious tag at the end of this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think um, I think that that sums it up well. I mean, those are the themes that Sufyan wants you to know about his music and the things that are important to him about the world. I think that it is Sufyan's music as a whole is so interesting to me because there are so many different entry points for mm-hmm. people in different ways. All the four modes, five modes, <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a little bit of something for everyone, um, but more than other artists who do a little bit of something for everyone, my my feeling is that Sufjan manages to like be himself yeah. in all of those. Yeah, for sure. I don't think I've ever questioned that about him. He's always yeah. done like his own thing. Yeah. Right. Oh man. Well. Um, I think that's the episode. That's the episode. Wow. We did it. We did it. Um, while I pull up our rundown to say goodbye, is there anything that you think that we might do next time? Well, since Sufi is kind of, we, we had some sad themes. You want to talk about regional hot dogs next week? We can. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just take everybody hard, <laughs> hard left, hard left right into regional hot dogs. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, hey, AC, where can people find you on the internet? Hey, you can find me on the internet. I forgot the URL of my own website. It's <laughs> I know this. Now that you say it, fuck. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can find me on the internet at acfachi.com. I have to figure out how to build a website before, by the time this airs, uh, there's going to be a website there for sure. Yeah, you got 10 days because we have the 24th. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. Let's let's try that again. Try, try that again. Okay. Hey, AC, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet at acfachi.com. Wow. <laughs> it's available now. It's a, it's a website. <laughs> you can find the internet at you can find me on the internet at matthorton.live. Sometimes I talk so fast I say nothing. <laughs> we have an entire inside friend joke that's based on how I can't say words in the right order. <laughs> so sometimes yeah. I don't say V's. <laughs> sometimes I have a turkey for sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh my god. That was, I was trying to say that I was having a turkey sandwich. Yeah. AC once said they were having a turkey sandwich and they said they were having a turkey for sandwich. Turkey for sandwich. And then I got really drunk after a Cold War Kids show and said, this is my turkey for sandwich. Yeah. Anyway, you don't need to know all our old jokes. Don't worry about it. You can find the show (laughs) at can'tletitgo.gay. Can'tletitgo.gay. Great website. You can also find us at Instagram, threads, and TikTok at can'tletitgo.gay. Wow. 
And wow, wow, there wow. will maybe be stuff up there. Um, <gasps> yes. You can also find the network, The Worst Garbage, at theworstgarbage.online. And you can come hang out with us in the Can't Let It Go channel in the TWG Discord. Yeah. Super fun. Thank you to Scout for our art. You're really cool. You can pay her to make things for you. Last I checked, her commissions were open. Here, we're going to go find out. It's ko-fi.com slash humble goat. Whoa. Wow, I spelled humble incorrectly. Wow. Humble I also type so fast, I don't actually type anything. Um, commissions are currently open. Get them yeah. while they're hot, she says. You should hire a scout for sure. Yeah. Uh, and shout out to my friend Ethan at Pragmatism on Twitter for our music, which you're probably hearing right now. Whoa. Thanks, Ethan. And anyway, we will talk to you all next time. Talk to you next time. Worst garbage, the online.